Before we begin the conversation, we'd like to um, acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where we meet this afternoon and pay our respects to elders past and present, as well as to emerging community leaders and extend that same respect to all First Nations people here with us today. Um, yeah, Do you, any, anything you wanna say before we jump into conversations about art, Dale? We'll jump straight in. Has everyone had a chance to walk through the exhibition today? Yeah. Um, so this exhibition, the works in the show span about a five-year period and one that has been incredible, incredibly generative for Dale. And um, we're going to jump back in time even before um, Oh, well, actually, to the kind of early part of that period when we first had a chance to work with Dale. So um, Dale's one of the first artists we, from Queensland that we got to make a project with here. We made a small exhibition called White Collared when Dale was still wrapping up at QCA and making work in the studios there. And we thought, just before we jump into where the works are, now and how they're resonating and how Dale's thinking about them to sort of teleport us back in time for starters. Do you want to say a little bit about what that show sure. was for you? What was it for me? It was, um, well, really, in reality, it was the beginning of a conversation. Possibly that's how you considered it from the outset. Yeah. Certainly that's how I came to recognise it um, soon after the show. The, the idea of installing an exhibition at the IMA was still something quite a significant jump leap ahead in my thinking about my work and where I was at. So uh, after the fact, the recognition that there was a dialogue and a conversation establishing uh, became really clear. Uh, how was the show? The show was the opportunity to, an opportunity to install a, heap, a small selection of smaller works. Each of the works were quite um, specific and small in scale. Um, and then on the wall was, was one ochre uh, wall painting, one stencil, which was opening up the door into something much bigger that I can see in retrospect now. Um, yeah, I mean, for us, kind of, it, it, we had a pre-conversation with Dale earlier this week to talk about this talk, and I think for us, we're hoping that we can get to some of that, but it's also, Dale was really interested in hearing us speak about as well why, well, maybe not why we work with him, but like what our modus operandi has been here for the past five years. So, as most of you probably know, um, this is the last show we're uh, here as directors of the IMA. Our tenure wraps up in about a week's time. Uh, but it felt like a very, uh, it felt like a beautiful way to kind of yeah. wrap up our time here, working yeah. with Dale again and working uh, on a big scale. I think a scale that none of us could could have imagined maybe three and a half years ago because right. you were working through so many different ideas at that time and it's it's through well your own work but also through connections made um it's kind of just uh, created a whole new kind of universe that i right. think you're still only in the beginning of um exploring um i think that's true and you know you had given us this prompt to th to try to weave in why we think about things in certain ways curatorially. Yeah. And I think just from the outset to say, to speak back to a previous show and that there's another show now, I think in some worlds in contemporary art, it's like you do one show, someone's had their turn out. You do a show with an artist, you move on and find somebody else who's cool. But I think for us um, in the best circumstances, um, working with an artist really sparks a conversation that can last a lifetime and I feel, you know, the reason we're sitting in a larger scale exhibition is because something started when we made this mm. little exhibition and mm. I think that single stencil really speaks to it. Yep. Um, that, that there can be so much more um, to unpack and to reveal over time and that's kind of how we like to think and to work. So to talk about how the practice of stenciling has grown and developed in your practice since sure. that point. We were going to next jump to an exhibition that wasn't um, here at IMA, but still in Brisbane that some people may have seen at Milani Gallery, where you expanded out how 
the practice of blowing ochre onto a wall might operate. Do, sure. Tell us a bit about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And there's always a, a broad field of context as to how the, the, the kind of the answer might look, the, the sharing might go there. And one of them is um, making the stencil on the wall here in the IMA was for the first time, I think, but previously I'd been bringing in objects that I'd, that I'd made. So I'd brought in my things and put them in the show which had my name on it. And in that process, my dear friend was with me, really with me in the, in the, in the installing, but the installing of that stencil is more than putting, bringing something into a space. It was the making of the stencil and it was the doing of the act, the making of that work. My friend uh, Jan, who's just over the back, and I made that stencil on the wall in, in Gallery One there. And we needed each other. I needed Jan to be able to execute that, that idea. And I think Jan and I lent on each other physically and more than physically in the process of doing that. And then I learned some big things around what could come with the show with, with Milani Gallery in 2016 in that I may have come in and made a wall painting entirely on my own. Um, but in the original processes and looking at all of the cultural and spiritual and ceremonial reasons why shared making is, is done in my, my family's inheritances, there was a, a necessity to look at uh, bringing in my family, asking, do you think it's okay? Are we safe to do this? Would you like to join in? How do we, how do, we do this together? And what might we, what might we do? And even in the, the act of making that wall painting at Wollongabba was um, oh, at moments I was completely out of, out of the, a, any kind of input, just standing on the side and laughing because it was hilarious and really significant. Uh, one, one instance was there were five adults working to stencil the feet of a little boy. <laughs> and I couldn't have seen that, couldn't have considered that. And it was hilarious to stand back and cross my arms and go, look what we're doing. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, so much of your family is in Queensland or in right. proximity and the ability to gather and to make something here yeah. seems a, an exciting next follow-on stage. But the next kind of great opportunity to realize a project in the same technique with the same kind of trajectory was actually in Gwangju in right. South Korea. But somehow you actually managed to further that conversation about making with people who share sure. that cultural lineage. Do you want to talk about how you decided and negotiated? You know, when you get an opportunity to go and make a project for the Gwangju Biennial, it's like quite a big international opportunity yeah. for an artist. Yep. Had that become something that is also shared? Can you talk a bit about your yeah. thinking around that? Yeah, for sure. Um, part of the sharing was uh, initially meeting with the artistic director of that Biennale, which was uh, Maria Lint, and meeting with Maria, um, I started to, and I can obviously now in retrospect see more, but Maria had a lot of ability to see what and why I was doing what I was doing, maybe more so than I was conscious of. And so in the initial discussions, the kind of working with and the sharing of the, of the processes began. And then through talking that, uh, talking that through over Skype and email and these kind of things, uh, my own, what my family and I describe as cultural safety came into uh, kind of consciousness where, hang on a minute, I, I don't think it's right to go to Guangzhou and do this on my own. So uh, obviously you start at the top, so mum was the first person to ask, do you think you'd be able to travel? Yeah, of course, let's go. Okay, what could we do? Let's, would, you, would you help me talk through from my end, but we share the process of making this painting and then all of the other different protocols involved in that around collecting and deciding subject matter and how to offer subject matter came into play. So mum and I uh, spent 10 days in, in Guangzhou in South Korea um, sharing the processes of grinding and preparing ochre, talking with everyone around us who were passing through. The show was still in significant install mode, even though there's very little language, talking often is this kind of thing. So. Um, and mum and I negotiating every minute um, around what are we doing, how are we going, wh uh, what are we still moving towards and how, how are our bodies going, how are we moving in the making, are we overextending, are we still good, is it time to go home and have a rest? Yeah. So, yeah, yep, 
yeah, yeah. And, you know, the other, the other kinds of things around uh, context and, and not being at home. So that act of making went into another space when there were two opportunities. One was where there's a, a dual hand stencil on that wall painting where there's two uh, forearms that meet kind of on an angle like this. Uh, and I was able to, yeah, see that uh, it, was, it was okay. And mum and I asked, could mum, you put your arm here? And then we spoke to a young uh, local, a young South Korean woman, and they shared that, that um, meeting, that shared that meeting in the wall painting. Uh, and so that we didn't, we didn't exploit that, we didn't overinflate that. It was just something private for us. And there was also a young curatorial group, which the Biennale and I think was an international young curatorial group. They were in, was it, was it all you Sorry. as well? No. No. Ah. Sorry. no. Pardon me, pardon me. Well, there was a, a, group, a tour, like, a, um, like an internship group, I think it was, um, moving around and Maria asked, with care for, for our safety, mum and my safety, as people, as artists, but then also on a cultural level, is there any uh, opportunity to share some of the making or the, the, the making of the painting with the group? So for the first time ever, we, in a way, kind of performed an element of that. Um, it's a really fine line. I've been really cautious, I've tried to be cautious around looking at what that means and how that, how that functions. Uh, and Mum and I, as a, as a deliberate act of sharing something with a community and a, and a broader context, uh, we made a stencil live with a group in conversation. We met them, we spoke first, we were in the space and then we put the, the last stencil element onto the wall. And yeah, that still feels pretty, still feels good, it still feels safe because we, we meant to share it and we did. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that was one of your first international kind of big, you know, right. uh, opportunities. Right. And it was funny because we, as part of the IMA's role has always been to bring out uh, people uh, nationally, internationally, to connect with the local art scene. So from that trip that Maria did, not only did she pick up um, Dale and invite him to Guangzhou, she also picked up uh, Nicholas Mangan, who right. many of you have shown here, uh, seen here at the IMA. And I guess that's kind of, you never know, these sometimes you bring people out and nothing happens, or something happens five years later, but I think it's just to say, it's, it's wonderful when it does, and I guess for you it really became an more of an ongoing conversation with Maria, which is, yes, I think, yes. in many ways, I guess, still is ongoing. But more than that, I think it was just, uh, we went there and we saw the work and it was um, incredibly ambitious, you know, for a place that's so, in many ways, difficult and loaded. I mean, for those of you who maybe not know, Guangzhou Biennale exists because of a massive kind of almost a genocide of people, Korean people in the early 80s. It was, it's kind of uh, commemorating uh, a massacre that happened of people revolting against uh, then dictatorship. So it's a really intense site and this is kind of, it comes to life every two years and people come for the rest of Korea, but it's, it's a very difficult site. And I think a site also, of course, with your kind of background and knowledge, you know, it's, it can trigger things as well. Mm. Uh, so to go there and not, you know, be daunted, I guess, by the site and by the all that, but just and, and work uh, on the same level as artists that have practicing for 30 years and your work was, you know, second to none to all of those artists. Uh, it's not really a comment, but maybe, uh, <laughs> or it's a comment, but it's not really a question, but maybe going on from that, I mean, then, uh, quickly things started happening for you. I mean, Documenta, we're sitting in a room, um, that has works from Documenta, but I think we'll, we'll go back a little bit further in time and maybe speak about um, the work in the second gallery here. Right. I think you've articulated already in just speaking about the movement of the process of wall painting in three right. different contexts that you continually revisit your material processes, your choices, your decisions around um, what's safe, which is right. really interesting language, and what isn't safe in a future time. Yeah. And I think um, this exhibition kind of opens with a work that's really all about that. So yeah. 
it perished in isolation yeah. is a work that takes its material from a work that many people would have seen in the Qgoma exhibition here in Brisbane, um, but it's disassembled. It's material, mm. like the burnt interior of a, a timber space is still the material of the new work, but um, it has new resonance and new, yeah. new meaning. New reason, yeah. New reason. Um, and I wouldn't ask you to speak specifically about, um, maybe just talk about what it means to believe a material can speak differently right, from one right. context to another, because right. it happens a few times in this show. Yeah, yes, yeah, it does. And that, um, I don't have any answers there, but one of the, I, don't, I can't say I could quote anything there, but um, in one of the realities that's involved in that current installation in Gallery One, uh, that belongs to my, my private life and my family and my cultural self. And there was a necessity to, 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 um, to, address, to address our reality, my reality and my family's reality at this moment. And around the studio where uh, a lot of the wall paintings I've made as studies and, and I worked out, there happened to be the material, the kind of the medium or the sort of the blank pieces of timber which had already been assembled, treated, um, installed, uh, identified as artworks, as a, as a whole artwork, and then disassembled again. They happened to be around the space and they were readily available materials similar to if there happened to be a pen and a paper or a, or a piece of charcoal and a substrate. So they just happened to be there and they were the most relevant material to, um, to bring into the space and to, to yeah, make reference to, to uh, a new life a new life for um, the conceptual thread on that kind of genealogy of the materials now, make a new life for the original thing as well. I'm not interested to see that original concept or the reason why I made that original work and those traumas um, live again. So that work is now finished. It may be documented, but it, it, it won't live again. And there's an opportunity maybe to re reimagine those materials, yeah. But of course that's still there in it. And I think it's one of those things that it, it was kind of a, we spent a lot of time in that room over the past, yeah, you know, installing yeah. the show. That was the room I think we all spent the most time with because it was that gallery space and, and, and you know, thinking about it, putting things in there, taking things out and, you right. know, talking through all of the kind of Learning. thoughts and ideas and, and feelings you had about it. Um, but maybe going to, because I will just skipped ahead to the gallery too, because it connects back to what you were saying about Guanju. So, very importantly, that, that work was conceived for the National in 2017 down in Sydney. So it yep. was first presented a version of it at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Uh, and was, I think it was kind of a moment too, which was interesting for you, at least in our relationship to talking to artists and curators around Australia, that's the moment they kind of realize, oh, Dale Harding, this is the guy you've been talking about kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, you know, because people hadn't seen your work, people had seen it like, who is this guy? What is he doing? And we were kind of raving about you. And at that moment, we really switched. People just like, oh, I get it. This is beautiful. This is really... But I think for you, it was also a moment where, of course, you, you uh, really, you know, you coming from Guangzhou, I think involving your family, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. teaching people those, you know, almost forgotten kind of ways of stenciling that's so important to, uh, to your culture. Uh, in a way, and with this iteration here, you, you know, Jordan Upcat who, who made it with you. I mean, in a way, it was, it was incredible to see you be in the space with him and how much kind of, how much it was really just a dialogue between the two yep. of you. And, yep. and it's, you know, and um, it, it's, it's much, as much as I see now, it's Jordan and, you know, it's, you might have your name on the show, but he's as much an artist in that room yep. as you are in a way. For sure. And maybe, do you want to tell a little bit about that work and where it comes from, yeah. or, yeah. Yeah, of course, please. Um, so, Annika Jaspers uh, was the curator for, with Wayne, uh, Tennycliffe, pardon me, pardon me, that's horrible. With Wayne Tennycliffe and Annika Jaspers at the Art Gallery of New South Wales for the first national. And Annika was um, brave, I think, brave, and, and of course very generous to offer the entire uh, space there, what they were calling the project space, and maybe that was the first time I'd uh, had the opportunity to make 
or to bring something into a to a designated gallery on its own as a single work. Uh, and there were key and senior and artists that I have, have referenced and worked and studied on either side of that entryway and, and exitway. Uh, so we were framed from the outset in a really um, supportive and solid way. And it was an opportunity where um, my uncle Milton, my mum's brother, and his youngest son, Will Lawton, uh, Uncle Mil Milton Lawton and Will Lawton, were available by saying, do you think you might want to come and can we do this in Sydney? And um, there was a, there was a, a generous, you know, an excited yes. And in that process of sharing and, and in talking, um, the, the exhibition rationale, but also the, um, the, the, the curators didn't put any strict parameters on what might be available. We had solid elements that were agreed upon. And the wall, making, wall painting happened in the space in a, in a conversation between Uncle Milton and Will and I. We had all of the raw materials in the space. Um, we had a rough idea of composition and where to, to place things, but every stencil was laid down in sharing and and one of the, my favorite memories was seeing the two of us on the on the either side of will and in in a way will was supported in the same way the artwork and we were supported as artists by the, by that framework um, and so every every element every stencil was laid down really carefully and consciously and um, i hope without any kind of direction we were agreeing on things and then the narrative actually came out of our shared impulse to make that make that drawing on the wall that painting on the wall the narrative was already there and we caught up with that as we put it onto the wall which is pretty amazing um, and then now that existed since as as an artwork uh, that I don't own that no one can own but is shared among our entire family network and the ochre actually comes from Gungaloo which is on my Nana's side and the senior Gungaloo elders there who really in, in my thinking that's their work because it's their country it's it's where they're the, they're the location, they live at the location where the narrative comes from and it's their soil and the original water that we put in our mouths. And when Jordan and I came into the space, again, the original photographs were a solid kind of um, framework and all of the discussion there was being with the two of us and, and, and um, helping there to be a safe place for Jordan to, to make those decisions. And gee, it was good, it was really enjoyable to... Um, to step out and come back and be so surprised by some of the choices that were made. Amazing. Mm. Can you talk in that work, I think a thread in the show and in your practice that we don't, that we have talked about often, I guess, as we've made decisions about the exhibition we're in, is your approach to institutional critique and in particular um, in relation to museological practices, anthropological practices that mm -hmm. take objects out of the world and lock them in cabinets, right. but also that um, fix things with one specific yep. role or meaning. Um, mm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Which one? Um, many. Uh, but maybe I can keep going with. Yeah. Know them in correct judgment, or we can talk about it in relation to this room. If you either way, sure, sure, sure. Both. Well, <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's let's weave it all in. Uh, maybe I'll start with um, leaping forward to um, a work that might be might be coming to the to the IMA in the next exhibition, and I'll leave that there. But there's really serious, uh, really genuine um, connection as to all of the the discussions in my work in that, um, and I'm not sure. Yeah. And so the original artwork, Know Them in Correct Judgment, uh, the, 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 the longer rosewood form that was in the original is a metonym and is a marker and was something made by Uncle Milton and his uncle uh, in material remembrance, in the act of remembering that's the type of tree, that's the way you do it, this is how we'd finish it, what are the forms, or hang on, the, the form is goes a bit more like this, more than, less than like that. And what it also stands for is um, those two men um, remembering a significant family member, one of our ancestors, a female ancestor, uh, from that place where they made it. So as a physical thing, they were bringing forward a new, a new artifact, a new metonym, but they were also um, enacting all of the, the, the performance of the sculpture, the doing of the sculpture, and all of the cultural knowledge involved in that process. And then when we laid it down into the cabinet, into the vitrine in Sydney, in a way we let go of it. Um, 
it was really very significant and the way we handled it in the space was really important and when we laid it into that vitrine we, we put them all to bed in a way. Uh, it, was a, it was a very, um, I use the word serious, not as if, um, uh, it was a serious moment, we took it all very seriously. Um, so in a way we kind of did to ourselves and our own histories what museological practices do and have done for a long time. Um, maybe the difference is there that we were aware of what we were doing from our perspective and at that time I wasn't so much thinking about museological possession and the possession of the object and the, uh, the locking up and the, the categorising and, and, and really the undeath of many objects as well. So the original artwork we very consciously put to, get, put to bed some of those histories. We, in the painting, made the process a deliberate putting to bed a lot of those histories that needed to end in our, in our story. If we continued to keep telling them and keep telling them, they would continue to stir for us. But Uncle Milton and Will and I decided that many of the things that we were referencing stopped in that, in that uh, gallery at that time. So then when Jordan and I came to this iteration of, of the uh, Know Them Incorrect Judgment, um, we, again, we again kind of acknowledged those, those histories, those realities that we were referencing, and we made choices to, um, to put more to bed and to, to bring others forward. So um, the forms that are in there now, some of, two of them, two sets uh, from the original artwork, and one is a, is a new object, and even that has had a life in itself. So um, that's in the, on the artwork side. But then in, in a lot of the talk and the work that we do as a family, we're really aware what it means of what it means to see an object on a catalogue collection and even to go visit it and the detachment and what we experience when we leave a space. Um, we, Uncle Milton and Uncle Steve Kemp, who spoke here last week, and uh, my Auntie Leanne Lawton and Uncle Kenny Willie and a few cousins, Jordan's sisters and some other younger cousins. We, Jordan's sister, Jamie Lee Upcut, we were able to visit some objects in the Queensland University of Queensland Anthropology Museum and they have come directly from Gungaloo country, from Moorabinda um, and there's a great deal of reason for us to be attached to those, those particular objects and the collections manager and the director commented that after we left the space that day they, they went back to sleep and the space changed shortly after and again that's a generosity, I've consciously shared that but it's important for us to be able to describe these things in a museum and a gallery context, that we went through our own processes as a family moving away from the objects, and in a way, sometimes I still pine for them because I'm always interested to go back. And the director and the collections manager commented on how the space was different once we left. Yeah, I mean, I think for us, it's kind of this type of sharing we're doing now, but also knowing when not to share. This right. has been a big conversation, and I think, I guess, We'll come to it uh, maybe towards the end of this conversation. It's just, um, I guess for us, um, why it feels so special to have this conversation with you now is that it, we've learned so much from you, from other people in this community, mm -hmm. um, especially Indigenous Australians. I think there's a great deal to be learned from, for all of us, from, from listening to people that are, that lived on these lands and uh, traveled these seas for millennia. And I think, uh, there should be a sense of pride for everybody. If you're a visitor like we are or from this place, it's, it's really, this is an amazing resource that we have. And it's not of, all of it is f for you to share with us and there's cultural protocols, but it is, uh, there's an openness we felt with you and with so many people, um, I mean, uh, we've worked with over the years here that, uh, that, you know, if you're willing to listen and learn, mm -hmm. you and, Many, many artists uh, like you have, you know, are so generous and don't need to be generous. I have no reason to be generous, you know. There is such a history of, of uh, betrayal here that I think, uh, but still, there's an incredible generosity there that still lives on despite all what's happened. Um, maybe moving on to this room. I mean, this room is kind of where I think also your life maybe changed in a way that, you know, Guanju was a big step, but then you got invited through Henrik Folkert's uh, into Documenta yeah. 14, which is, it's, uh, 
I sometimes say people ask, "Oh, documentary, what is it?" It's like it's like the Beyonce World Tour of exhibitions. It's like 50 million euro kind of. It's like everything. It's the biggest show there is in the world, and it's the history, of course, is that it was created after the Second World War in the yep. kind of sleepy town of Kassel to kind of, I guess, in a way, rehabilitate the then very soiled uh, reputation of German culture and history after the Second World War. So it's it's right at the heart of of like European history, of, of all the traumatic kind of things that happened, uh, both second and uh, first and second world war, uh, and it, an attempt maybe to, despite all that, try and find a way to move together, right. you know, and, and kind of learn from right. each other and learn from your mistakes. So it's a very optimistic kind of approach, humanistic in a ways, and it's, but also as kind of any kind of thing on that scale, it's incredibly, complex and there's a lot of people involved, a lot of stakeholders and and for you to be involved, maybe do you want to talk a little bit about that experience and also how yeah. you came to to show both in Castle but also Athens, which is how the exhibition was split in the end. Sure. Um, well, from the outset, it was incomprehensible. I, I could, I found it a challenge to get my head around what it meant and how to do documenta. I'd been studying the catalogues. I'd uh, uh, written essays involving the work and I'd, I'd been involved with as a student kind of you know, flicking over the books and then all of a sudden hang on a minute it's time to, to involve myself or to be involved um, so then how does that happen um, it was similar to maybe the process of the the white college show bringing in small things it was it was really asking to be bigger not not kind of shinier or glossier or more lights or or, or, or more concrete or anything, but bigger in the intent, bigger in process, um, and uh, and maybe even kind of growing up, not maybe, definitely growing up in myself to try to work to join in some of those conversations. One of the things I recognised in my contact with the documenter process was um, a lot of the conversations were really deeply embedded and very refined, and so casual conversation, um, just with a coffee in hand or. Or a, uh, or, a Danish, or a pastry, which was my favorite. Um, casual conversation could get really big like that. Just, and why? Because the, the Documenta archive and the entire community that's lived around Documenta has been building and building and building, I would suggest. Building intention and building um, movement towards things that are better or, or, or growing. Um, so yeah, and then also remembering that, hang on a minute, uh, yeah, I have similar kind of process within a cultural context as well. So yeah, there was the, the, the privilege of, of bringing uh, that body of knowledge and that inherited um, uh, cultural context into an international art context and a, and a political and economic and uh, museological and contemporary art context. Yeah. Maybe just say, so the work just behind us all there, body of objects, was the work shown in the Athens half of the exhibition? Mm -hmm. We can talk. It's interesting to me that in, I guess, in both works in a different way, um, you brought place with you through right. the creation of a topography. And yeah. then I think that also that, for lack of a more creative way to talk about it, institutional critique through mm -hmm. what you said, Henrik came to call the objects sitting on the plinths as defalicized right. objects. Maybe you can talk both about the plinths as a structure and then about the silicon objects a little bit for okay. us. Sure, sure, sure. That's, that's enjoyable. Um, so the process with Documenta was research, as a lot of exhibition processes are. Come and do research, come and be involved, um, come and make connections. And uh, one of the things that I had available to me was to visit Athens and to visit the one of them, the, the, the Acropolis Museum, the new one, the, the lovely big flash new one, but also the Epigraphical Museum and the National Museum, and there were nine, nine in the space of seven days that I visited. And there became, and Judy Watson's worked in this, I think I saw you come in, Judy, but in the hierarchy of um, museological practice and, and the written on the body exhibition project. And I started to understand why that was so important when I could see in the Epigraphical Museum a piece of marble, which actually happened to be a, a tablet and a, and a script that had five and six different inscription numbers on it painted directly onto the object and then to go not very far to the Acropolis Museum, the new one, and see the status and the hierarchy and the difference of way that the museological practice statused and hierarchized 
that which had desire and uh, uh, um, what were we using um, um, possession, the, the possession in, involved in it. So uh, I tried tried really hard, and I still try not to um, judge any of that, but to observe it and witness it. Um, I was sh shocked to see a, an object that I found very beautiful and historically very important with multiple intrusions on itself. And in the one of the halls in the National Museum, there's a whole row. There was a whole row of uh, of plinths, and some of the material hierarchy would move up the plinth as the plinth became more phallic and more erect, really. So the materials would move up and move up in status, and bronze might be, or bronze or brass, brass probably might be the last support holding an object, ranging from a wooden base to travertine or marble and then up and up and up. That really caught my attention. And then also in the uh, Acropolis Museum, the big hall of plinths, it's a very beautiful thing to, to, to look at, but then when you start to engage what's occurring, there might be other ways to, to think in it. And I really enjoyed this white, big white building, the big white space, and this kind of forest of the plinths. And with all of the, the entities, the sculptures, the, um, the philosophies, the learnings, the teachings involved sitting up on top of them. And uh, that met what Josh and I, Josh Milani and I had been doing with the install of the work at Milani Gallery in 2016. It met what we'd already been working at as the field of plinths. And things made sense very quickly. So the field of plinths had been something we'd be, language we'd been using and it then became really relevant to build a field of plinths with the, with the uh, documenter Athens work. And there, in the same way that here at the IMA and the first wall painting at Linden Contemporary Art Space in St Kilda in 2014, the same way the architecture of the institution had been turned on itself or co-opted into, into being its... Um, being a support for my work or I sort of turned it on itself. I sought to turn the architecture on itself by making the painting directly on the wall. The museum architecture of the plinth then became something that was, was mine or the works or my communities or became available to, to be part of it. Rather than being a support for a thing, the architecture was now mine to work with. I realize we, we scheduled two hours of this conversation. That was probably uh, far too little, but I think we'll... Um, <laughs> But it's also, we, we won't make it longer, but I think, yeah, just to, I guess, there's so much to talk about, there's so many avenues to go into, but I think for us, we just, I guess the premise of this show was really to invite you to bring back home mm. many of the things that yep. you had worked on. And many of these, I mean, so the first work, of course, showed at Kugoma, second one in Sydney, this one in um, uh, Castle, or in Athens, sorry. Um, and the ones that are just kind of Around us here, these two plinths are uh, from Liverpool and fairly recent from the last six months. I guess, in a way, it, I guess it's that conversation of course, what does it mean to, and I guess that's also what we've been talking about, what does it mean to move something from one context to the next? What does it mean right. to bring kind of uh, boomerang shapes kind of made out of silicon and flaccid? to a place like, you know, it's like an iconic Australian imagery to a place like uh, Greece, you know, and right. what does it mean to, and, um, and how does the, the context really change things? And I think that's been questions that we're still grappling with because there are no simple answers. But I do think it is maybe something that's really in this space and we really wanted to have a conversation about. And we'll probably get to them, but these panels you see at the back wall here, yeah. they're from, Dale's studio here in Brisbane. So they're, they've moved a very short distance, but it's also, they're quite, they're all tied up in this whole exhibition and all the works that are around. Mm. Because of course, the studio for an artist like you, who's materially driven and conceptually driven, it's a very important space, you know? And yep. how do you represent that? And can you represent that? Or why should you represent that? You know, there's a lot of questions. So maybe, um, do you want to talk about these planes from Liverpool or? So sure. say maybe yeah. the, the warp, these oh, panels the warp really quickly yeah. is on the way back from Guangzhou, having uh, been and done and on the plane, uh, working through some of that, the, the next thing which was uh, coming was uh, Documenta and the, the discussions that Hendrik Folkerts and I were having and Michelangelo Casoro. So uh, it, immediately in the plane, I went, hang on a minute, Guangzhou had so many colours in it. And so what occurred was this study behind 
as part of a, a getting ready for the commission for the Queensland Art Gallery's rehang, Bruce McLean and I had been talking around a wall painting or something there. And coming back from Guangzhou, I recognised monocolour. Uh, monochrome had to be investigated. So these literally are the studies that were preparing for Castle and to know what to do there and also preparing for the Queensland Art Gallery. And yeah, yeah, scratching it out and learning in the physical space how to do the composition or how to do some of the other registers of the body that then eventuated, yeah. It was um, quite a long process of will we, won't we, mm. um, as to know whether these studio walls would make an appearance in this exhibition. And I think um, if it's okay, I'll say why, sure. a little bit about sure, sure, sure. why that conversation got so complex. Um, I think what I understood from you, you're we were very keen to show them. <laughs> we, it's an, it's an incredible space that you work in and to give some echo of the places that are really meaningful for your making was something right. that we were really excited about the idea of sharing with or to sit alongside other works. Um, but at the same time, you pointed out, which is a very fair um, and astute criticism, it is to say those things live, these things lived in situ and they belonged in a place. And we were asking Dale to repeat the kind of dislocation um, that's been done to many objects yep. in, from Dale's family. And yeah. um, we needed to find a way to decide either if it was too close a replication and a kind of violence and insensitivity that we really shouldn't do for this show and we should be conscious of, or mm -hmm. if there was a way that these walls could be present that didn't make them like the objects you've visited in the Anthropology Museum, right. but somehow made them live in an acceptable way in this space. So yep. what did we end up doing to? Yeah, yeah well, um, um, here. my art brain and the kind of the research brain was ticking over and was always in that discussion from the outset around, let's show them it would be really great. And then eventually- like Michael Asher or kind of Gordon Mata Clark, like there are all of these architectural precedents that made it really exciting for us and I think for Dale too, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and so my, my art brain and the, my um, kind of research head was ticking over, but then when it came to approach them, uh, that's when it, the reality kicked in. Um, yeah, and so that was a very real learning for myself um, and then consciously deciding to, to, to keep moving and all of us working in the discussion around how to do it well and safely and hopefully have a something to hang a bit of a discussion on. Yeah, Because I guess that's the thing, even if... Because I guess that's what, in our mind, good art, it, it creates conversations and even debates, discussions. It's not about always doing the right thing. It's about... Mm doing it with intention, and I think here, and care, I think here we were proposing something that was, could be perceived as maybe slightly insensitive, but I think for us it was based on things you had said about how, mm. you know, your culture had been treated, so it's just in a way, not to say inflict pain on you, but it's, it's, it's about having that conversation, how do we highlight for an audience that this is done? We're doing it with intention, yeah. but it's done all the time without intention, with yeah. monetary intent, you know, just to make money out of, right. and without care, without consideration, without consultation. So I guess it's, it's for all of us to be mindful of this, this is a difficult thing, was a difficult thing for all of us, especially Dale, of course, but it was with the intention of maybe educating us and teaching us about some of these very difficult things that are happening uh, anyway in the yeah. world. Um, we have a small child that's uh, making some noise, yes. Uh, yes. Um, For sure. I'll do one more prompt before I go, make okay. sure she's okay. Um, can you talk about how or why the panels are inserted into the walls? Because I think that's mm. really something really interesting happens when they get in the right. wall. Excuse right. me. Right. Um, <laughs> life, life and art meet. Um, uh, they're vi they're, which is really fun as an artist as well. Materially, they're the same as the VJ in the first gallery. And, uh, and actually, yeah, there's many discussions around the local Queensland architecture in contemporary art. 
particularly in Brisbane. And so the VJ, when I started to look at how they would come out of the space, it really kicked into being something enjoyable on a, on a material level. Uh, so then they needed to be battened, uh, what do we call that, braced and, and um, installed as panels. Um, yeah, I'd known how to do that from previous work. And then, then they became a panel and, and when we were playing in the space and looking to see who they are and what they are and how they wanted to be, um, installing them onto the wall, we, we spent an afternoon in installing them onto a gallery, onto the wall here and hanging them and they ended up looking like paintings and then they ended, look, ended up looking like something taken from the street or, or um, the way that other discussions around graffiti and, and uh, uh, street art have shifted that something comes in and gets dropped on a wall and they didn't work. They weren't alive in the same way because they weren't in the space. They were being brought in and dropped onto the space. But I guess also uh, probably most of you have already made the connection that sh shovel or digging stick as it's called in this exhibition right. is that stencil. So it's that, and of course, when we had long conversations every day all about, and we, we, we of course asked where, where is this uh, shovel, spade? And it's like, oh yeah, it's in a collection of, somebody owns it. So it's, oh, can we show it? Because of course, being artistically trained, this is perfect. This is a Duchamp reference right there. It's the ready-made. It's the idea of taking something from one context to the next. And of course, what I think it was interesting because I guess that there's other things that will come to that. I think about the color on that shovel as well, which is quite something mm -hmm. that you work quite a lot bit, but we decided to move away from in this exhibition. But I guess, yeah, yeah like you're saying, it went from this kind of in your studio, it was just a blank, you know, it was a canvas, you used it, you kind of scraped on it, you drew on it, yep. you stencil on it, but once we kind of took it off, it was super precious and fragile, right. it was breaking, we were freaking out, right. it was just, because I guess that's what happens when something goes from just the world into an art gallery and all of a sudden we view it as art and we become very precious about it and try to conserve it in that way. So conserve. it really kind of, it became, yeah, it was very, we had a lot of discussions around, you know, so it's cut, we've cut into the drywall in an outline and carefully inserted it. And it just, you know, the technicians here, amazing team, uh, worked very, very hard to yeah. kind of integrate them back into to our walls, which was uh, incredibly complicated because they're brittle, they're irregular in shape and, and you know, and it's, I guess, I th but for you, that was really, where you felt comfortable well, you know, if we're going to take these, right. this thing from your studio, we need to treat it with respect and with, with uh, you know, with, um, treat it, give it kind of, you know, the weight it deserves in a sense, I guess. Yeah. But maybe just mentioning, I mentioned uh, the shovel. Uh, it's, it's, it's from the studio. It's an old paint factory, former paint factory. Uh, so it's a plastic shovel, but it's, it's been used to uh, make a lot of different stencils in the space, but it also has records blue on it, right. which is something that I guess you worked in, in Castle, Documenta, and have worked with uh, Queensland Art Gallery and a number of other things. But that's, you know, that's a, that's a very important material for you. But maybe do you want to talk a little bit about that importance of that material and why we chose not to make that such a highlight of this exhibition? Yeah, I'll... Um I'll refer the importance of the material to mm. the, the content we've already published online, yeah. uh, sharing why it was relevant for myself as a practice, but also our family and our community. Uh, that, that exists that as a resource in a number of different places. And the reason it's not in the space was, again, to move away, move on. Um, I made a couple of big paintings for the last show with Milani Gallery that we're using up at the time the last available records blue and that was for real I didn't want to go there again because it's um, uh, I'd personally wanted to move away from that and even reclaim the blue so blue now is, a, is, is able to be something something enjoyable and something light-hearted and playful even digging stick is still makes me grin and it refers to the way, and we had a lot of conversations about this, but the way Dale named it in a way, of course, everybody knows it's a shovel and can see that, everybody who's you know, coming from a, well, almost any culture. But of course, this is the way that indigenous objects 
right. and any foreign objects get right. treated in museums. So in, you know, most cultures, any kind of tool is a multi-purpose tool. It's a percussion instrument, it's a digging stick, it's a fighting stick, it's something you maybe you, you, it has many, many uses. So to reduce it to a single use is kind of, you know, that's colonial yeah. violence right yeah. there. And I guess we were kind of imposing that same violence on a Western object in a way. And it was kind of, I guess it was meant to be playful. Yeah, tongue in cheek. Yeah. But I guess it speaks to a bigger yeah. thing where it's just like not recognizing the complexity of the material world around us. This is true. Uh, yeah, Alien and Baby is back. But um, yeah. How are we for time? Because part of what occurred in the install process was, as with many of the exhibitions that I've been invited to be involved with, they have been a genuine discussion and I've learnt and I've grown and the work has bounced forward because of the discussion shared. And something that it, it was a big light bulb moment and I really enjoy looking back was that while we were making the show, Johan and I had a discussion around your making and your concepts and your intentions and your, your motivations and maybe that was an, a moment to go, hang on a minute, there's um, this in, as, a, as a whole place is, is like a studio for those who work in and among and, and bring their concepts, so. Yeah, I think I alien to fully um, to answer this question, but I guess it's, time, time is funny. Um, it kind of, it's usually in retrospect that you s realize that there's patterns, there's, there's, a, uh, there's, there's, there's real kind of, um, I guess, real trajectory or direction. Usually when you're in it, and I think the same goes for an artist, uh, it's you're, you're trying to work through something, and then you look back, like we did with this exhibition, and you see there's such strong themes and threads. And I guess we were talking about it, and I guess for us, and I think Aileen even said, uh, I mean, the way we program the IMA, and this is how any curator would, I think, program a space like this, is in a way like one big long show. It's like a series of vignettes or a series of conversations that you want to have, but it's in a way, I guess, we think of it as, as, a, as a, 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 um, I can't find the word, it's, it's there's a thread, so maybe a story in a way. It would be kind of a, a way, a slightly confusing story, but still a story nonetheless of trying to work through a number of things, both uh, internally uh, and the team here. We have a great um, team of really dedicated, intelligent, mm. passionate people that are part of having that conversation with us, but also, of course, with artists. The, I mean, the benefit for us and why we feel so um, privileged to work at the IMA is it's an institution that really uh, values that direct engagement with artists. You know, right. we want to, the artist is not, uh, it's, it's the reason why we exist. We, if there was no artist, we wouldn't, we don't have a collection, we don't, we don't have another mandate to exist than to work with artists and realize their visions. Uh, yeah. I think that's true. Um, as a motor motivator and as a primary source of learning is through um, working with artists and artists' drives and motivations, interests, research, making processes. And when Dale asked us to talk about what, like, what, what are the threads that have pulled through, you know, we did a little thinking departing from his own practice and we we're saying, well, trying to think of all the other artists that if it was a big group show, what other artists would be in the show with Dale, you know? And to say, um, obviously, rewriting history, challenging what we understand to be the history of place with um, new sensitivity, new knowledge, new perspectives, that's been a major thread in the work. Mm -hmm. And then also, as I've raised three times now, <laughs> this con kind of continual looking back at artists interested in institutional critique and understanding the role of a place like IMA for better and for worse in what gets made public, what becomes um, historicized and what stories get told, that's a big part of it and I guess the last for lack of again a more creative word to say you know artists struggling with the things we are all struggling with today which is mm. the impact of the human 
presence on earth, our lack of sensitivity towards, toward lack of empathy um, towards other people, towards the environment, those things have, you know, surfaced again and again. And that in particular as a, as a thread isn't something I think that had been in our practice before we came here and started working. So um, a lot has changed in the kinds of artists and practices um, that have, come to, you know, being part of our program. It's actually, like, really wonderful to have other artists we've worked with here in the room, Archie and Judy and um, Caitlin and, <laughs> yeah, Daniel. It's really um, been an extraordinary journey. It's very, it's, you, see who's, you see who's, yeah, you see who's in, um, who's really in charge of the IMA. Uh, but it's, um, I mean, I think for us, we'll, because we'll, Many of you might know as well, we're moving to New Zealand, which is not very far away. And I think for us, it's a very different, it's a different context than one we know fairly well by now. But it's, I think for us, I think our time here and our time in uh, Northern Ireland before has really shaped us as people, because we were people that had worked in uh, bigger cities, in art centers, where yeah. kind of, there's an abundance of museums, there's lots and lots of artists. You, you never have to kind of, you know, if if you fall out with one community, there's another one around the corner. I think first moving in, um, living in Ireland in an incredibly loaded, sensitive, uh, post-conflict context, uh, and then coming to one here, uh, which is very different, I, I think we, we came to appreciate also what it means to kind of, uh, I guess, to, to, to be outside of those kind of like given conversations, the kind of the ones you read about, you know, the, the art forum and the freeze and those kind of, uh, I guess, yeah. where you take art for granted. And when there is an art audience that you kind of, they're just there. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to educate them. You don't have to do anything. They're usually uneducated themselves, but they kind of, but they, you know, they know all, they know who all the cool artists are. They know all the cool galleries and they, they're kind of, it's, it's they live in a social bubble of, of kind of, uh, of, of, of knowing everything about a certain thing. And I guess moving in context where art is kind of not, you know, it's, it's part of a bigger conversation, it's part of a bigger uh, dialogue and, and how, how, how we can work with people and learn from that. Yeah. It's not really something you can answer. I think, Dale, it's more, uh, I guess, reflections. Um, but I think, I mean, like you said, you started this conversation about conversations and I guess that's, why we insisted on this kind of format today, and I, I'm one of the the points of interest or, or points of um, motivation that came up in the, in the list of the, the director's motivations is bodies, and certainly that's um, running through um, my research and, and all the work and the conversations I've been having for a while. Oh. <laughs> it's good water. Um, and, and, and the body, uh, the, the mark and the register of the, of the body is, is relevant and present in all of the work uh, in every way. And one of the, the decisions that was afforded was to install some of the, wall, the two wall-mounted works over this side at the register of my height, uh, more so than at museum standard. And that has relevance to a lot of the wall paintings and that has relevance to uh, the way that, you know, I'm asking viewers to move through the space, particularly the body of objects, the way that some of the plinths have objects which are not always visible or not entirely visible simply because of their scale. Um, and so the, the presence of the body in, in the install was, was really relevant and certainly as a rationale that runs through into the Anna Mendieta show that Sue Best has, has uh, offered as well. And I guess that's, um, um, I guess that's something that uh, as a... Uh, female artists often get used, you know, they either use their body, they get asked about the body, they get objectified. I think as you're somebody who work a lot with the register of the body, very consciously and the height of you, you know, quite tall as we all know. I, I think that's really, but that's really interesting that you do that and I think it connects you and that's why, I mean, short, long story short, why we invited Sue to, to do the Mandiata show because there is a strong material, uh, material lineage between your practice and a practice, a feminist practice like Anna Mandiatas. And I think that also speaks to a whole other big conversation about man's objects and women's objects right. and masculine and feminine and, and um, you know, um, 
sexual desire. It's, it's a very big uh, conversation that we're not going to have today, but I think it is something just to point towards. There, there's, there's such a richness to all of your works in this show and your practice in general. I think you're really um, an inspiration to us as curators, to, to somebody who's, who's pushing things and, and trying things and is and uh, reworking things in so many different ways and opening so many new conversations that I think is important not just for yourself and for us, but for audiences and for other artists. Maybe on that, that note, um, does anybody have any questions for Dale? Or Certainly for the directors. Thank you so much, Dale. I love hearing you speak. Um, Thanks for coming. I, oh, I had a question about uh, time management. <laughs> right. Um, kind of around how you uh, kind of manage the timeline of trust building with right. the people that you're working with and right. alongside kind of the calendar and uh, what, how, what you kind of come back to in those moments of compromise or, or compression in that timeline. How do you kind of think about that? That's a goodie. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, I've been really fortunate to be meeting really good, well-intentioned and good people trying to do their best. Because um, I'm trying to do my best and so in terms of trust and time management, um, it hasn't taken, oh, I've had to move through my own stuff to, to, to arrive at trust, but um, I've, I've not had any negative experiences in processes, so then I've, I've been afforded the, the privilege to just keep meeting people and trusting and oh, there have been some that have been you know bumps and learning learning points but um there's been a large amount of trust involved in bringing my family self and then inviting my family into the gallery space as well and uh the museums and the galleries that i've worked with and where we've all joined as a family unit in the making um, have been very good at seeing us more so than kind of people are going to put something out, seeing us as, as being cultural people, really. And we've started, Jordan and I had, after the Tarawara Biennale, had started to recognise that. Um, we were afforded wonderful, wonderful support by, uh, by Brooke and Jackie Wanden from Corandirk, uh, Wurundjeri women there who live still where their family lineage is at Corandirk. And uh, Brooke and Jackie, we were all, as four, able to see... The, so the museum set us up in that conversation. Uh, the museum asked the question, what would your protocol be or what, how would you like to go about this? And we, as the museum and I started talking, they said, right, let's introduce you to the, uh, the local community there at Corandirk. And then from there they moved away. And so Jordan and I had this wonderful opportunity to sit as cultural people with cultural people and then move back into the gallery space and be cultural people, but in a professional capacity. And so there's a lot of movement between that. Uh, and I've been really fortunate that the museum and all of the people we've worked with have, have been very careful, full of care and considerate in that. Uh, certainly here, Jordan now moves in. A, anyway, the, 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 sp the space was, was really ours to be in and be, be very safe in. And around trust and time, it's, there's been a very rapid, I'd, I'd probably say I've witnessed a really rapid movement in the discussion in Australia, in particularly in contemporary art, in getting up to speed around some things and there's obviously a lot of work to go and a lot of people are working really their very best to get up to speed. And so um, that one example in Tarawara was, was effortless from us and maybe that's a really flawless process that I can reflect on and build upon but the time didn't, there wasn't much time to develop the trust and to be doing it all really well on a cultural level, but also professional art world level as well. Um, does that does that go there, or not not so much? Well, maybe it doesn't really have a great um, catch-all answer either, you know. But um, yeah, that's great to hear. Thank you. Um, time management. Um, just just going back to um, you were mentioning you felt conflict between these studio wall works. Yeah. Um, and I was just curious if you could elaborate a bit more on how you reached resolution within yourself on sure. that or if it's something still that you're processing. Yeah, yeah, yeah Caitlin. Um, um, 
it uh, simply I just stopped stopped working, stopped taking him off the wall, stopped. Uh, I couldn't go any further. Um, this is again exposing, and I'm choosing to expose this. And uh, I'm, the reason I'm out, uh, highlighting that is because often um, uh, the discussion with the commute raised a lot of these these things in consciousness here. I think around asking people to to to, to, to divulge and to give themselves. But I'll choose to say I I didn't go any further. I couldn't go any further. It became really I was wearing the the, the, the concept. I was living the concept of that. Uh, separation and the dislo dislocation, and even the kind of the act of the act of doing that is what is it? Is it um, cognitive dissonance or something around doing doing the thing that I'm actually possibly proposing that we are a victim of or on the receiving end of? So, uh, how did I sort of resolve that? It's uh, then it then it became really clear that there was a, it was a safe discussion. That's that's how it happened. Uh, the, the vulnerabilities in the in the thinking around the realities of what we've experienced as a cultural community and as, as a family network uh, could be made made safe and made good by the by the museum conversation here we were having here um, the support around the the install the support around the direction for the exhibition um, and the very clear possibility to have autonomy in that yeah 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 even I'd question if a family member came and said they wanted to do something similar. I'd go, oh, because I made choices in the documenter process that I wouldn't make again. And I did the right, I feel I did the right thing and we, my, I've been supported to do that, but also I wouldn't encourage it to happen again lightly. Hopefully I'm not setting up examples to be just followed as model, but this one again, I would really look at it and, and um, if it was, so. Um, yeah, it's, it's still very real. It's, it's still actually a living discussion. And maybe there's some catharsis in that, in that process of talking it through and, and learning about what actually are some of the functions of how these things operate, yeah. When I come, when I sort of switch back into a, a, another, a, another lens that, yeah, they are, they are now dislocated. And um, say if there were countrymen or, or, or family here, we could go directly into something really potent um, very quickly, and then we can talk about them as contemporary artworks and in institutional critique. And then we, my, our intention is to share our cultural selves with the with the the, the art world discussion as well. Yeah.